this is the education show unlocking opportunities in teaching and learning through collaboration proudly brought to you by zabuza.net and it is the education show and another special guest and uh, i'm very proud uh, to welcome and pleased to welcome wendy horn hello wendy how are you i'm all well cold and uh, busy but well Old and busy, but well, it sounds like it sounds like a couple of people around the country right now. Um, Wendy, you've done some amazing things in the education space, but before we get into that, talk to me a little bit about your journey. Uh, did, how did you get into into teaching? Well, it's actually an interesting story. I never really wanted to be a teacher. It was never on my horizon. I love science and I thought I would go into some sort of science field, chemistry or engineering or something like that. But as many uh, you know, youngsters in society require some sort of financial assistance to go and study further, I fell in that bracket as well. And one day, matric during a maths class, which was tedious at the best of times, uh, announcement came over the intercom, anybody wanting to apply for a teaching bursary must come down to the office. So I excused myself, I went down to the office, lo and behold, I got a bursary. So my idea was to go and study, do my BSc, um, see if I could wrangle my way out of my bursary. But at the end of that, I couldn't. So I went to go do my teaching to pay back the bursary. And after my first couple of months, uh, I was hooked, hook, line and sinker. And I found sort of my niche and passion. Um, by mistake, if I can put it like that. And here I am, 30 odd years later. And, and absolutely passionate, I believe, about science, technology, um, and something very close to your, your heart is empowering uh, young ladies to become leaders in the fields of science and technology. No, definitely. It has been one of my, my focuses. You know, when I first went to varsity, I didn't even know that there was a degree like engineering. It was never ever explained to girls that you could do um, these type of things. And if I remember, even in my, my chemistry classes, there were like three girls in a class of whatever, at the end of you know, your third year, about 60 or 70 people doing the sciences. And that ignited my passion for trying to empower girls uh, to believe in themselves and to take their rightful places um, in your degrees like the sciences and in the job market and that. So I've embarked upon a number of projects which started as a young teacher giving extra lessons in the um, sort of impoverished schools where sciences and maths was not pushed as hard to doing science expos and mentoring girls in terms of uh, robotics and all sorts of things like that um, so it is a passion of mine and I, I feel girls women bring a aspect to the sciences which men uh, sometimes lack um, you know, the, the, the empathy and looking at how science's impacts on humanity is what girls bring to that field and um, makes it more a responsible type of science. That's my belief. Okay, because I, I must tell you, and, and we're going back quite a few years now, but when, when I was in, uh, in school, maths and science was certainly not high on my list of things I enjoyed doing. It was just to me, it was an incredibly dry subject, and yet I had an English teacher who was the most amazing woman, um, and she really engaged with the class, and I did exceptionally well in English, um, yet my science teacher, uh, not so much. Uh, and I think that is what makes things so amazing to me, is that you have this love for science, and that you're able to communicate that to the learners. 
No, yes, definitely. I, I really believe that science is a, is a living um, subject. You know, it's, there's a lot of theory that you have to do and there's a lot of maths behind it and those things need to be done. They are the, the, the mortar that puts the bricks together. But the bricks themselves don't just have to be all square and boring. You can really do a lot of sciences, you know. I always would walk in and say, right, what are we going to blow up today? Because, you know, my <laughs> sideline passion is chemistry. And, and, so, and, and so that sort of um, developed and then trying to bring, you know, real life examples of what is happening in the world uh, where science is being applied um, and how it makes a difference so that your learners in the class can actually see why it's so important and then develop an interest in it. I mean, you know, with NASA, for example, now launching their spacecrafts and all of that. Remember, I mean, two years ago, or last year when I was in my class room still, um, you know, learners bringing me video clips, coming to show me uh, and, and trying to interrupt our grade 12 science class because obviously that's not as exciting as the launch of the dragon and all of those things. And trying, you know, and, and bringing the science into that, into what we were doing, into... It just made it so exciting um, and relevant for the learners. Uh, so I think no matter what subject you do, you as a teacher must be passionate about that subject matter. Absolutely. I would agree with you 100% there. But now, in, in terms of your, your, your teaching career, um, have you spent your entire career teaching maths and science? Mostly, yes. Um, those are the two subjects I'm essentially qualified to teach. But as you know, when you teach, you get thrown into the deep end. So I've taught a bit of technology at some point in my career. I taught a bit of uh, IT. Well, not quite IT, but more your um, beginner sort of IT in the grade eight and nines. Uh, I, did a, I did that for a year or two. I've done phys ed. Um, another part of my passion uh, was and might still be sports. I've coached and um, hockey is my main sport. I coached that at provincial level. Um, I played myself at two provincial levels. So pretty diverse. Um, and that's what I think makes a rounded teacher or holistic teacher is that you are able to not just um, reach your children in the classroom. You have to reach your children outside of the classroom because that's where you build relationships. And teaching is about relationships. It's not about discipline. It's not about the best lesson plans. It's not about all of that stuff. If you have a good relationship with the kids in your class, um, you are going to be able to uh, get their hearts and, and teach them. I think, again, you've hit the nail on the head there because it, it is. If, if you and, and if I take it into the business world is, is um, and I do a lot of uh, sales training and things like that. And my, one of my beliefs is people will buy from people they like. And I think in terms of teaching, people will learn from people they like. Definitely. Definitely. They might not like your subject. They might find science boring or maths when you're teaching it. But if they like you, they're going to make that effort to try and meet you offer at least. And I think one of the things I've noticed that you have mentioned is, is in terms of, of maths and science specifically, um, if you're planning on getting good grades uh, as a learner, you need to start that process fairly early um, if you want to really do well in grade 12. Yes, um, I think if you, I'm going to take it one step further and say, if you want to do well at varsity, if you want to go into a science career, you need to start that early um, because you, you need to learn the skills, the critical thinking and the problem-solving skills, which takes time. Not everybody is a natural at um, problem-solving and critical thinking. It needs to be developed uh, and nurtured. Um, but I'm going to maybe say something a little controversial here, but anybody with an average intelligence 
can do really well in matric in maths and science because um, unfortunately uh, many of our exam papers have become very um, old, uh, predictable, uh, and almost rote learning. So if you you can train with a decent teacher, you can be trained as a learner to to do really well in a matric exam without really understanding much. Which is kind of it's kind of a good thing and a sad thing at the same time. I'm, I'm, I think back to 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 my sort of schooling career. Um, and specifically, I was doing accounting. And if I hadn't managed to spot um, a whole bunch of questions from a previous paper, I don't think I would have gotten through accounting at all. Um, but that, yeah. has been, that has been a challenge, has it not, in terms of, of, of um, educating and learners, uh, is this parrot fashion learning, because it doesn't, it doesn't build people and it doesn't give people the necessary life experience. If you've learned something from a book and you don't understand it, it's really pretty pointless, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And unfortunately, our education system, not just here in South Africa, but even worldwide, we um, spend too, or we have too much attention focused on assessment and the results rather than the journey of learning and the process um, of learning. So if I am measured by my results i'm just going to do whatever it takes to get whatever marks but i might not really know what i'm doing or why i'm doing it the actual problem solving or critical thinking um, process and i mean that that is one of the reasons why i think there's such a high dropout rate at first year university is that learners have not and we spoon feed them we guide them we help them we do whatever we can to get their results but we haven't taught them how to think critically and then you left on your own adversity and you need to apply those skills, but they are skills that need to develop. Um, and we don't develop them uh, properly at school. I, I do agree with you there because um, it is, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of people um, that, that get into first year varsity, when they look at that workload and what is expected of them and the critical thinking aspect, it is, it, it, it knocks them for a six. It, it's something, um, hopefully, uh, you know, in the course of time and with these podcasts, we're able to talk to that uh, and, and get some more clarity there. But Wendy, you, you went on and you became a principal of a, of a school, which was started in, what, 2015, I believe. Correct. So it was a new um, Western Cape Education government, a public school, if you wish, brand new a building, nobody in it, nothing going on. And... Uh, very exciting. Uh, it's one of the most exciting things I think I've ever done uh, to start a brand new school. Uh, very few people get that chance. You get a chance to, to develop something, you know, your ethos, the type of uh, critical thinking skills you want to develop in the school. Um, it's really, really exciting. Uh, it was daunting as well. Uh, we started the school with uh, seven Brand, we had 10 teachers in total, of which seven were brand new, like as in mostly beginners, very little experience. So a brand new school, no policies, no ethos, seven brand new teachers. <laughs> um, and at the time, I was very upset that the WCD uh, gave me all these brand new teachers or I was not allowed to get experienced teachers because of the type of policies that were in place. But in retrospect, it was such a blessing because these youngsters shook things up with me. They were willing to learn. They were willing to try new things. And because I had a whole lot of these millennials by my side, we were not afraid to try new things and fail and change things. You know, in a school, when you want to change something, it, it takes two, three years to get it through to through the governing body and all the processes to change it. It's like 
turning a massive ship. But with us, because we were new and I had like-minded youngsters thinking with me, we could try different things. And if it didn't work, we would change it within a month. We would say, okay, it's not working, let's do something else. And off we would go and do something else. So it was very exciting. That, that, is, that is, I think, for a teacher, that must be an absolute dream to be the principal of a school like that. Um, but you didn't just do that. I mean, do you still, because I, I know um, I've, I've had a look at some of the things that, uh, that you've been doing, um, but you also assist with schools in underprivileged areas, and, and your learners come from really, really impoverished backgrounds. Talk to me a little bit about that. Look, the... Because, well, the school we started and we decided we were going to be a mass and science uh, focus school uh, with the department, it means you're trying to uplift wherever you can. So it didn't matter, you know, your area, um, where you come from, and all of those type of things. We tried to just take kids that showed potential uh, with maths and sciences and um, try to give them a chance to prove themselves. So, you know, in that sense, we managed to do that. We managed to get quite a variety, if I can call it, or a cross-section of learners from really uh, wealthy uh, backgrounds to very impoverished backgrounds, a wide range of religions, a wide range of um, ethnicities and all sorts of things. So it was, it was sort of a mission of myself and the teachers that we were going to be as diverse and inclusive um, as we possibly could in our school uh, and because of the mass and science sort of focus, just to maybe diverge a bit, is we got a lot of learners that were, how can I put it, uh, nerds, uh, to use a term. Uh, maybe you could say a little bit on the autistic spectrum, you know, social introverts, socially mis maladjusted slightly. Um, and I always took pride that these learners at other schools would be probably bullied because sport is king and you don't play rugby and you're not the jock. But at our school, the guy who sat on his own eating his lunch by himself every single day in a corner, talking to himself, was left alone to do that because that's who he was. And he could do that in our school. Um, and, I, you know, and I hope that ethos stays in the school even after I'm gone now. Uh, so, yes, inclusivity uh, is very important to me. I think, I think that's fantastic when you talk about sort of the, the nerds because if I think back to my school career, um, you were, and, and, and I don't think much has changed there. You were, you were either part of the it crowd, the cool kids, um, or you were part of the rebels or the fighters, or you were part of the weirdos and the nerds. I, I kind of fitted, <laughs> I fitted in there fairly, fairly good, fairly well uh, in, the, in the weirdo and nerd side of it. Um, but you've done some amazing things. And the one thing that, uh, that struck me is um, – you talk about um, making learning more accessible to visual learners or kinesthetic mm. learners or audio learners. Now, that's something that's it's not exactly new, but it's based on, on neuro-linguistic programming um, and a model that okay. we call VAK. Um, there's a new one out mm. now called Digital, but I'm too old to understand that. Um, <laughs> I've never heard that brought into education, though. I, you know, because science is a practical subject in my mind, I was able to bring in a wide variety of learning materials. I mean, I think you can do it in any subject, but it was always a mission of mine because I'm, I'm pretty much a visual learner. I need to see how things work uh, before I can understand them. Um, I'm also a little bit ADHD, so I need to be entertained. Otherwise, I'm going to 
go off track somewhere. So bringing my own sort of learning style to the classroom assisted me in understanding what the learners, some of the learners required. Um, and long before it was uh, what the in thing to use digital stuff in your school and whatever, I was using videos and trying to use audio and uh, experimental things and getting the kids to go outside and do their, you know, and, and touch and feel and see um, and experience, you know, live the science, experience what we were trying um, to teach. Uh, and it, it wasn't really based on research for myself. It was just the way I learned. That's how I learn, um, and, and so I assumed other kids also needed to learn like that. So I brought it in, and it was basically also to alleviate my own boredom, because teaching the same thing year in and year out can be really boring, <laughs> so you need to also keep yourself amused as a teacher. Again, that makes so much sense, and as I think about it, it, it feels like I'm almost talking to a kindred soul here, because um, I also have the ADHD problem or, or challenge or whatever you'd like to call it um and and i'm very much a don't bore me with the details kind of guy uh which you can imagine how well that went down at school uh but to make it more because i'm primarily an auditory person and if a yes. teacher was trying to teach me and say look at this can i show you what you're doing and you've got to think about this and they, they're like uh you know if you didn't do your homework how do you feel about that no, I didn't do my homework. I don't care. You know, um, yeah. they weren't talking my language. So to hear that you're implementing that kind of stuff, I think is absolutely brilliant. Now, when you, you put this in place in a classroom, um, I believe you, 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 your idea and your motivation is to create problem solvers, not parrots. Yes, definitely. Um, it's, it's a passion of mine. Um, to create people that can think critically and solve a problem. Um, so I, I, I loathe to teach steps. You know, in math and science, you often get teachers who will teach you the steps. Step one, do this. Step two, you know, you will always get the right answer 99% of the time if you follow um, these steps. And I try to steer away from that sort of uh, recipe type of learning uh, because I always had the belief that no matter what the problem was, from which angle it was whatever asked, you should be able to solve it, having a clear understanding of the concepts. Um, because you need to apply that to everyday life anyway. We apply problem solving every day without even knowing that we apply problem solving every day. Um, so, you know, it's important that we teach that from a young age to our learners because they are going to be adults one day who will believe everything on Facebook if we don't do that. The social media things that we live with. I was amazed over, over this time with uh, us being in the middle of this coronavirus pandemic, how many armchair scientists uh, suddenly came out of the woodwork and uh, were, ex you know, spouting their beliefs and everything about corona and what happened. And I was, I kept thinking to myself, where, where did you come from? You know, I don't see any sort of yeah. you know, doctorates or anything. And why are you doing this? Has has COVID, do you think COVID's uh, given our education authorities something to think about? Definitely. It has definitely given us a lot to think about. It's accelerated the introduction of technology, good or bad. I'm not sure if it's good or bad. It's good that all teachers are using, or many teachers are using technology now. 
probably bad because teachers are implementing it with the wrong pedagogy. They um, and, and hopefully, you know, at least we got them opening their computers and, and doing a Zoom or a Meet lesson or whatever. But, um, you know, there's not a lot of thought been got going into how do you actually teach using these digital tools because it's different to a classroom. You can't apply your classroom skills digitally on a digital platform and then many teachers are just doing that. Um, so that's not really... So in my mind, I worry about that uh, quite a lot because we're assuming our learners are learning when we are talking to them on a Google Meet because we're using the same methodology we would use in the classroom. I don't believe that works. Um, I think we need a different pedagogy and we need to look at it. So yes, the second thing I think it's given us something to think about, we've trimmed our curriculum uh, because of the, you know, the days that were cut. And we can still meet our learning outcomes with this trimmed curriculum. So the question is, did we need all that stuff in the curriculum in the first place? Um, and hopefully when we go back next year to whatever normal will be, we don't go and prop all the stuff back in the curriculum. You know, we try and use what we've learned now and adapt our curriculum and take what has been said over all the years that the curriculum is too full and we don't have enough time to teach the kids problem solving. We're just trying to teach them content. Um, and that the education authorities look at this uh, and then use it going forward. Um, you know, take what's come out of um, COVID uh, and we take it and use it positively. Let's, let's hope so, because I think the time is ripe uh, for our education system to get a bit of an overhaul. And I love the way you guys are, 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 are what you're doing. And, and, and there's a lot of teachers um, like yourself that are passionate about what they do, passionate about change, passionate educators. And I think we've got such potential in this country and, and we've got such great people. Uh, we owe it to them to give them the best possible future that we can. No, definitely. Um, uh, you know, it, it is just, we need to try and reach more of our teachers and we need to try and reach more of our learners. Um, I think one of the things COVID has exposed is the gap between those that have and have not. Uh, we can see that with it's social, social economic, or even in education. Um, and it's highlighted that. And I hope that, well, that when we go back to, as normal as I said, that we try and address that more uh, vigorously so that we're not caught in the same situation should we in the next five years get another pandemic or something similar coming along. Yeah. Um Wendy, one thing we haven't touched on is uh, I believe that uh, as a teacher, uh, an educator, a principal as well, you've, you've achieved uh, a couple of uh, awards. Talk to me a little bit about some of the awards that you've, you've managed to gather. Yes. You know, when you start teaching, let me say, when I started teaching, I thought uh, you don't teach to get awards. And so you do your job well to the best of your ability. And these things seem to come. Well, they seem to have come my way. So just to summarize quickly, um, the 2013, I uh, was not um, the, uh, won the award for Excellence in Science Teaching, a national award, the National Teachers Award. And then 2020, I won the National Award for Excellence in Secondary School Leadership. And uh, 2018, I was in the top 50 in the Global Teacher Prize, um, which is an international uh, competition. So, yeah, those are the a few of the highlights. That's incredible. And I'm so glad that, that there are things like this because, again, and I mentioned it uh, earlier on in our chat, um, the, the teachers have such an impact 
on our lives. Uh, I, if I think back, I can I can picture some of my teachers as clear as day and the impact that they've had on my life going forward. I'm going to be honest, there were some that weren't that brilliant. Um, but for the most part, teachers are an incredible, incredible band of people. Definitely. These, these awards, um, for example, the Global Teacher Prize, the, the one that's um, international, the whole idea behind the Vaki Foundation sponsoring um, that prize is to raise the profile of teachers. Um, teachers, as you say, they do many do wonderful work in absolutely uh, you know, terrible circumstances, um, and so this award highlights the work done across the world with different teachers. Um, with you know the big prize of one million dollars, uh, sweetening the pot and making it interesting for everybody to watch and see what's going on. And I think they've achieved their goal uh, through this Global Teacher Prize, highlighting some of the teachers last year. Um, it was uh, Peter Tabici uh, in Africa you know, who won the prize. Um, he works at a, a rural school, I think it's in Kenya, very similar to what we have in our rural schools, you know, mud classrooms, no resources. And to see what he does with very, very little, um, also a science teacher, um, how he makes science come alive and how he exposes his learners to international trends and technology with hardly anything, um, you know, highlighted to the world, the, the, the divide between, as I said earlier, the teachers, the schools that have and the schools that have not. Um, and, that, and that's the whole idea behind the Global Teacher Prize, uh, to give teachers that platform uh, and highlight the good work that teachers are doing across the world. Which, which is, I think, phenomenal. I mean, that's one of the things that, that we're hoping uh, to do with uh, this series as well on the education show is talk to teachers and, and highlight what you guys are doing and, and celebrate it. Particularly now it's Women's Month, so we're concentrating on, on some of the ladies. Um, but now, Wendy, before I let you, before I let you go, uh, you were the principal um, of uh, the, 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 the school that you've, you've recently been with and the name now escapes me again because I've got too many papers in front of me. Um, Protea, Protea Heights, was it? Yes, yes. Uh, you were the principal there, but are, are you still or, or what's happened? Because um, I, as I understand it, you've uh, been given, is it a promotion or is it what I would call a lateral promotion? <laughs> More responsibility, same salary? No, no, no. It, it's quite a big promotion. Um, I... Uh, applied for and was given the post um, director of um, Metropole District, so the, the North District of the Western Cape Education Department. I manage 206 schools which fall in our um, district with a team of about 200 odd people here at the district office looking after things from management and governments to corporate type compliance and then curriculum falls in there um, which is a big part of it obviously. Um, just managing the schools and making sure that they we can support them to support the learners in the classroom and we also make sure things are going well you know within our, our schools I'm not sure just to maybe clarify if, it, if it's um, how can I put this you know I always say to people I've been promoted and I've got this job to sort of a reward for all my sins because it, it is tough it is something else managing school it is it is completely different um, you get a completely different perspective of education from sitting 
um, in, in this, on, as the people say, on the other side, you know, the dark side <laughs> with the department. <laughs> so, well, that, yes. that was going to be my question is, you know, you've spent so many years going, if they would only listen and they don't. Yeah. And now suddenly you, you have joined, as people would say, you were right about that. <laughs> The, the dark side, but surely that's a good thing because now you're in a place to implement the changes as well. Yes, no, definitely. I um, I, I sit here on this side and, and I can hopefully bring the perspective of the schools um, onto the other side, you know, into the dark side, the perspective of a principal, of somebody who's been in the classroom for, and recently been in the classroom for, uh, you know, a number of years. Uh, trying to influence policy and uh, implementation um, and trying to support schools. And that's why I applied for this, the, the post is when you're in your own school, you influence your learners and maybe some other schools that you are working with and, and you know, we have projects going and things like that. But uh, I was, my, my vision is that here where I am now, I can hopefully have a positive impact on more schools, um, on a bigger audience, if I, if I can put it like that, and on more teachers. Um, because teacher training is one of my biggest passions, uh, upskilling teachers, uh, giving teach, young teachers especially the chance to thrive, be mentored, and take our places. I mean, we are, there's a large cohort of teachers who are retiring the next five or ten years, principals, deputies, and we don't have the youngsters who are keen to step up or have been mentored correctly to step up and step into these posts. So that is what I was, you know, am still hoping to achieve um, here at the district office in between all the emails and admin <laughs> and and people bugging you for interviews on uh, the yeah. education <laughs> show um wendy i think i think what you're doing is 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 phenomenal and and, and i love the fact that you're so passionate about uh, fellow teachers because to me teaching is not a job it's a calling um if i look at, at myself i could never have been a teacher but i have the greatest respect for people who are teachers um, and, and I think they need to be celebrated more and, and honored more. Um, I noticed uh, I, got, I got here on, on something that I was reading about you. Um, when uh, they made your appointment uh, uh, public, uh, I believe it was in April, you tweeted that yes. you were ready to serve. Yes. And, what, um... and, and somebody else, uh, I'm not sure where, where this quote comes from, um, but... Uh, they said, True North will thrive with this woman of substance. Why is this a quality appointment? Because Wendy has shining eyes, the number one rule of leadership. I think that is such an appropriate saying, though, because that says to me that you're excited and that you're passionate. So, Wendy, before I let you go, um, a message to other teachers out there? What would be one piece of advice that you would give other teachers? I think, um, you know, resilience and perseverance. Teaching is not easy. It is hard. No, I mean, there's no two ways about it. It is a tough place to be. But if you remember why you do it, um, you do it for the learners. You know, you do it for yourself to grow. Um, we as teachers, we influence the future. Uh, it's a very special and it's a huge responsibility that we have, that we hold in our hands. We hold the future in our hands. So hold it carefully, hold it gently, um, you know, be gentle with yourself. Don't be scared to fail. Don't be scared to get up and try again. Um, but our children deserve no less than our very best. 
Wonderful stuff. Wendy, thank you so much for taking the time out and chatting to us. Uh, I know you're very busy and we wish you nothing but the best and may you go from strength to strength. Thank you very much. Appreciate that and to you as well. There we go. That was our special guest on this episode of the education show, Wendy Horn. So if you are in uh, the uh, Western Cape area, look out. The lady is going to be ringing in some changes, good ones, and I hope you have a lot of fun. Until the next time, thank you for listening. That was the education show. Simply learn. Join the conversation on zibuza.net. That's Z-I-B-U-Z-A dot net.